Welcome to another episode of the Faith-Led Business Podcast. I'm Monica Perez-Burnett, mother of eight with twins times two, serial entrepreneur and daughter of the Most High. Today we are going to be talking with my good friend and mentor Isaac Ho, who is a total body confidence coach and a master at mindset. We are going to be talking with him about health and wellness mindset, about business mindset, about time management, all of the things that truly concern us as entrepreneurs. So I hope that you can grab a piece of paper and a pencil and really pay attention to the golden nuggets that come out of this because there are so many. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, mindset and faith building 101 here with Isaac. So let me do the reading really quickly. It is 2 Timothy 1.7 and it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I truly believe that's like so perfect for what we're going to be talking about today, right, Isaac? Wow, totally perfect. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, just so um, so our community can get a little gist of who you are, where you come from, how we met. Yeah. Well, I love I Maybe we'll start with how we met. So Monica and I, we were both at a, at a business event together uh, and we really connected. And uh, we actually connected over, it was like Monica sitting over there in the room. Um, They're asking some questions. And uh, one of the things they asked was how many of you can, can do something that's just really different. Um, that's actually unique in business because their point that they were making uh, was that most people they kind of do the same thing and they repackage it um, if you remember that and i was like yeah i can um you know i can scan your head and i can tell you what's dysfunctional in your body and they're like okay well that's unique <laughs> but uh, and that's how i actually met monica because i ended up um it's like god put us in the same place together monica mm-hmm. was going through some things um that i was able to help her with physically with her body um, and I think she's learned from that um, and the root, but really the, the root of what I help people with is actually stress. So um, I'm a trainer. Uh, that's been something that I do. I help people reposition their bodies so it's in a better uh, a better position to, to actually operate and to, to be able to give them energy. Um, at the same time, the big thing that I help people with is is stress and the stress is inside of business. So if you were to meet me and I was to give you my elevator pitch, I would say, have you ever had the experience of working lots of hours and feeling like you're not getting the results that you want and the impact of all that stress is really weighing on your body in your mind and your heart um <laughs> well i help people work less and make more money and most importantly have time and energy to do the things that they want so and there's a lot of things that we might talk about today because um let's see oh my god it's like how long have i been um learning about the human body i think it's uh 17 years now um so that's uh that's coming up and and so it's just the thing that i that i love sharing but really it's it's the thing that i really uh feel like is of service in this world and and that's that's why i'm here I love it. I love it isaac for me has been kind of like my go-to anytime i am feeling off (laughs) isaac is my is my go-to because um he always brings you back to the source. He always brings you back to yourself. 
um, in one way or another. And usually our thinking uh, goes goes wayward when we are disconnecting from that. And so, um, so let's start off with some good questions. And in the audience, if you have any questions as well, feel free to to add them in. But today we're going to be talking a little bit. Look, I know that especially with um, with the audience that comes here to the Faith Led Business page, a lot of people are going through the stress of transition, change first. They're stressed out because they're working on their business. Then they're home and having to work on their business and also, uh, you know, do the homeschooling and do all the things. And just that place of feeling stuck and paralyzed and uh, fear wrapped around it. Like, is this going to happen? What can you tell us about just the mindset around feeling stuck? Mm. I'm so glad you asked that question. Like feeling stuck is something I've experienced. I think we've all experienced it. And um, what I can tell you about the mindset of feeling stuck is that you get stuck when you believe and act on information that isn't true. So when you believe or act on something that's not true. So let's, <laughs> you've got a Bible verse for that? No, yeah. no, I was going to okay. get my notebook. Oh, get okay. <laughs> I was like, yes, I knew Monica's right on it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's really, so let's let's take an example. Someone says, and this is what I deal with. I deal a lot with chronic pain, right? So these are people that have been in pain. And, and so they, it's, it starts to become what's called chronic, which just means it's like long-term and maybe it'll never go away. Well, they believe that they've tried everything, a lot of these people. And now the truth is, is that they haven't tried everything. You couldn't try everything. You just couldn't because there's so many options. You know, you could scour the planets. I've, I've been studying uh, the way the human body works for you know almost two decades now and there is so much about how wonderful god made your body um, and had so many fail safes in it and it also has such a high intelligence to it like um most people are like i can't get healthy well most people have never studied gas exchange in the body do you even know how gas exchange works and if you don't understand how gas exchange works and how the pelvic floor and the diaphragm stack then you'll probably never be healthy but then they say i've tried everything <laughs> so it's like have you really tried everything and that's just one of, of many things I'm using that as an example. But a lot of times um, people that are in chronic pain, they're stuck in chronic pain because they believe a piece of information that their subconscious is telling them is true. That just isn't true. Um, and that's the same whether you're in business. You know, it's like um, one of the things that I'll see in business right now is some people believe that their business may be completely closed, may be completely stuck. And that's absolutely not true. You know, it's like I'll see two um, like one of the businesses that I actually own is a fitness business that helps people with their performance in their body. And so what happens when the facility has to close because the governor says it has to close is that we took everybody online and we decided how can we add maximal value? What can we focus on that people aren't focusing on when they're able to get that result while they're in the gym? So a big piece of that is nutrition. And then another piece of that is that if you're in the gym, you're working on maximal capacity. What you're not really focusing on is some of the more minute repositioning. So then we're focused more on repositioning. And because we did that, we had very, very little fallout in our gym business. Even mm. though we don't have a facility, we actually made more money because of the whole rent situation, everything that we were able to negotiate. Yet other people I know that have gyms have completely had to fold and close. So mm. how come they couldn't find in the same industry a way to um, be of service? They believe that because they didn't have the facility, they were done. But you can see that's totally untrue because um, I know other business owners and myself who, with a business that physically had to close, that wasn't the case. 
And so it's when you believe something that's untrue and then you act on that untrue information, that's how people get stuck. Mm. So what about, let's talk a little bit about time, because I think that people um, are really struggling with time management right now uh, to get things in their business done. And then we'll do a little bit more of like just stuck in business itself. But um, mm -hmm. let's talk. I think time management is a great topic because you I know we've talked about this before and um, I love your take on it. Yeah. Uh, so specifically with time, I think um, the first thing that I always look at with a client is what do you believe about the thing before you try to solve the problem? Hmm. So if your belief around time is like most people, it's limited. Or if you just think about um, like maybe when you were growing up, maybe your your parents didn't spend as much time with you as you wanted. So what did that teach you about time at the age of seven on a very deep psych psychological level? Maybe you believe that um, there's not enough time for you because your parents didn't give it to you mm. because you believe about time that way, you'll then go and act on it in that way. And a lot of the times that we we'll usually try to act on it is the same way that we observed our parents act on it. So one of the things that um, I had that was really interesting is I built a business. And the thing that I told myself as I had my son was I realized that I, I had this belief that I could either have um, my business or I could have time with my son. I could either be a father or I could be a business owner, but I couldn't really be both. And the reason why I had that belief was that that was what I watched my dad do. He was a really great provider. Um, he was a serial entrepreneur. He was also a doctor. So the guy, the guy was churning, um, but he didn't necessarily have time for me. And so I took that meaning. And then I, when it, in my own life, I realized that I was creating the same thing. When it's just not true that you can't have both. What is true is that you're acting upon the belief that you watched uh, when you were young and you're still running that old, that old programming. And so it's just old programming. So the first programming around time is really what we have to deal with when I work with clients. It's good. What's your programming around time? That's what we really have to understand. And it can be slightly different for everybody. Um, but most people believe, um, I think that time is limited, but I think um, even more, the thing that I'd, I'd have you realize is that what you're really trying to preserve when you say you're trying to preserve time is you're trying to preserve priority. Because if your kidneys were failing, and you needed a dialysis at the hospital three times a week, would you find the time for it? Mm. And most people would. So that if they don't have time to exercise, but they have time for a dialysis, for 30 minutes of dialysis and commute, then what they're really waiting for is for it to become a priority. Mm. And it will become a priority if you don't take care of yourself. So you can either um, take care of it to a point where that becomes your life and three times a week you have to go into dialysis because your blood will go septic or you can take care of yourself now three times a week but it's all priority but the time inside that is actually a lie because either way you have the time and it will show up for you so I think mm. that's the, yeah right it will because you either dialysis or work out it's really up to you um, one of those is a lot more pleasurable <laughs> in the long run. and it's a because I'll tell you, it's a lot funner to be in shape because I've worked with clients on kidney dialysis. It's a lot funner to be in shape and work out and get in better shape than it is to be on a dialysis machine for the rest of your life because there's usually no coming back from that. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing that, you know, I think we really take take on here is that it's your belief around time. So um, if you're feeling stuck in time, you believe something that's untrue about time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it goes back to the first belief, what creates 
being stuck. It's when you believe and act on information that's untrue. And then what creates people being stuck inside of time? Well, they believe and act on something inside of time that's untrue. So then um, how would you um, how would you un and let's say unlearn that yes this is the question so you unlearn it first by having awareness right? okay so before we can change anything we have to have awareness that we have that as a belief and then after we have awareness that that's our belief then what we have to do is we have to create a plan around supporting the new belief then we have to repetitively execute the plan so like when people are stuck in chronic pain, one of the most interesting things I find is that those people usually are also consistently challenged with uh, showing up on a regular basis in their lives in certain areas. There's a consistency that they're also not, um, like they're not consistent at getting treatment. Um, they're not consistent at the practices and the homework. So um, it's, it's really fascinating. I'll see people that said, well, I've had this problem for four years. They'll come in, they'll come in one time and then I won't see them again and then they won't follow up. Well, the interesting thing about that is, isn't that the same reason why they're not getting better? Mm. It would be like saying, I'm not losing weight, and I came and I did one workout, and I didn't lose weight. And we see people do that sometimes for a longer period of time, like it's a week, or maybe it's two weeks, or it's a month, or maybe it's even six months. But, um, and, but it actually takes you know 12 to 18 months for every cell in your body to, to regenerate. So if you want to make a change, and you, you haven't consistently done it for 12 to 18 months, you haven't even given yourself on a cellular level the amount of time it takes to create a transformation. And most people are saying that they tried something for a little bit, and then they say, well, I, I don't have the results. So they're thinking about what it takes to get a result is dysfunctional. Mm. And so that's something that I would talk with them about if that showed up, and that's something that we would focus on. And that's not everyone, but oftentimes I have seen that a person's current thinking is always creating their current result. So if they don't have the result, it's something in their current thinking. So then once we have the awareness of what that is, and we can create a plan around it, um, there are very few people that diet, exercise consistently for a year that don't get a result. <laughs> it's True. Just, it's just not so. Um, now, right. if there is something else going on, then we also have to be curious about what's going on in the exercise, what's going on in the diet. You know, if you're doing the same set of exercises four to six weeks and that's not giving you any relief then what we need to look at is what kind of exercises in different categories are we not looking at you know and i'm just using chronic pain as a as a simple one but let's just talk about time because i know that was your question mm -hmm. so for example you know i have a nine-month-old son um, i run several businesses and then one of the things that happened during this situation is that my wife actually ended up getting laid off from her job and so now she's at home and with the COVID situation, we just decided not to have as many nannies coming in and out of the house. So we went from two nannies to one nanny. Um, and one of the things that happened was we had to change our time because our time used to be she would do these things and her energy was spent on that. And, and now instead of working for someone else, she needed to spend her energy watching our son Leo. And at the same time, because she didn't have as much support, she would have to, uh, she would need support. So who was gonna give her the support? So I'd have to give her the support. So am I used to giving her the support? That's really the question that I had to look at. Um, and if I wasn't used to giving her the support, she would never, like something would have to change in the situation. So the thing that had to change was if she wasn't used to asking for help, I had to offer her help. I had to mm -hmm. look and see when was she tired? What was the pattern for being tired? Uh, what was my role in her being tired? And then by doing that, we were able to figure out this whole, um, I don't have time. 
In fact, we were able to figure out so well that, that now she started her own company as well from home and she's working on that. So um, it's just not, you know, did it seem like we had no time? Absolutely. Did it seem like we had no energy? Absolutely. But did we figure it out? Yes, because we just followed the principles. Like, what did I believe here that was true that wasn't true? Um, what was her role in creating that? What was my role in creating that? So looking looking at that, um, and, I, and a lot of my clients that are in business for themselves, they have a lot of their kids are being homeschooled right now and they're at home. It's like, how do I help my child learn? Um, how do I also help um, myself stay focused and run my business and have the energy for it? And you might have to do something that's outside of your current set of rules. Um, and one of the big things that I've seen um, just with clients is, uh, and a question that I ask is, um, is the other person, the other people in the house, have they changed their rules too? Because if they haven't changed their rules with a new situation that's coming in, you're going to try to create 60, 70% of change for yourself um, when it really maybe doesn't need to be that dramatic because maybe that person could change 15 and someone else could change 15 and you could change 15 and you could get a very similar result. Um, and that's one of the big things that I see, but that, none of that can happen if people don't change their rules. So like a rule that I see uh, often is that, and this was for me in my household, is that each parent had a role. So what was this parent's role and what were they predominantly supposed to do? Like my dad never washed dishes. He always went to work. He never cooked. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the mm -hmm. role. But if we are in a situation where I look at it and I, and I would go, well, what does that put onto the mom? How much is the mom doing? My mom homeschooled uh, three of us. Um, so then we had three kids that were being homeschooled. My mom was doing all that. So it's just looking at the roles and really going, um, are we kind of stuck in an old way of thinking? Because it's, the, it's so perfect. When I went to a pre-marriage counseling, one of the big things that showed up was we filled out this list of like, what's my role? And then what's my wife's role? I don't know if you've ever done something like this yeah. before, but it was really interesting because it's, what came out of that was I realized that I had a lot of programming. I was basing my life and the way my life was set up and what I expected in the future. I was really basing that off of what I watched my mom and dad do. And it mm. wasn't what my wife wanted at all. That was the interesting thing. And that's, that's how we got to start working on that. But it really just brought to my mind role awareness. So um, mm. what do you believe about your role is one of the big things that I would look at because right now with everything that's going on, the measuring sticks of success have changed. So if you use the old measuring stick in your old role and that's your old value and you're trying to make that work here now in this environment, um, you're probably going to beat yourself up a lot. Yeah. And then you're probably going to be exhausted because you're trying to do that old measuring stick on top of everything else that's here. And what you have to do is you have to look at your role first. And then once you look at the role, you'd be able to look at what's the measuring stick of that role and you'd be able to ask yourself if that makes sense right now. So that's that's really how... Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. That answer your question. That's, that's really good. Ooh, we've got people chiming in here. Let's see what we've got. Wow. So we've got Chris. He's saying, I'm struggling with physical fitness. I tend to start off really strong, but then I fall off. What would you recommend to stay the course? Mm, great question. So this isn't um, like a live chat. I know, Chris. First, thanks for your question. Um, man, first of all, congratulations for, for being committed to your physical fitness. That's, that's that's huge um, and amazing. And I'm always excited to hear people talk about that. Uh, one of the big things that you said at the beginning was I always start off strong. So if you think about your current way of thinking is um, I need to start off strong and then you say you fall off. 
So there's something inside of that starting off strong that's probably excessive or creating burnout or creating an unsustainability to the way that you're doing things. And that's just, you know, coming off of reading that message. Um, like I'm a bolt cranker. And if you know what that means, it's like, let's tighten some bolts. I'm like, yes. And I crank really hard, but I can crank so hard that I can just tear that bolt right off. You have to ask yourself, am I tearing the bolt right off? Because if I do that, I'll constantly create burnout. I'll constantly create over fatigue, overuse. And sometimes if you're really um, like a bolt cranker like myself, and this is something that I've had to learn, you can take something that's really good and you can actually make it bad. Because it's mm -hmm. like, you know, taking vitamins is great. Um, taking uh, vitamins that are not water soluble in too much amounts are toxic because your body mm -hmm. can't get rid of them. So even though vitamins are great, we have to do the right amount. So, you know, Chris, if I was working with you, I'd be wondering um, what your pattern is inside of starting strong and then and then not con continuing on. Um, and then I'd be wondering, it doesn't sound like it's working for you because you're not getting a result because you're stopping. So I'd be wondering what's the underlying thinking that's creating that. And then I'd be creating a plan around um, helping you actually be consistent by changing the underlying thinking that's inside of you starting strong and then petering off. And then, um, and of course, the thing that I look with everyone is if our brain is generating the issue, then it's not only in one area of our life. So are there other areas that you're starting off strong with um, that then you're petering off with too? Or it's like, um, you know, you're trying to make a change in one area and then it's like, it seems to be really good. Like, I don't know, nutrition. Um, and then after a while, it's like it drops pretty fast because, um, at the end of the day, the underlying thinking that we have is driving all the decisions that we're making. So that's what we really want to be aware of. But that's what I would be doing about that. And I see that I see that often. So hopefully that helps, Chris. That's really good. So in so let's say Chris and I, um, Chris and I are very similar <laughs> in that sense, where we start off like super gung ho, and then it's the consistency part. So maybe, so if I'm going to evaluate myself right now, maybe it's, I'm expecting myself to do too much too soon. So maybe take it in smaller increments, maybe one new habit that I conquer and master and then proceed to the next. Is that kind you know, of the thinking? It, it could be that if the dysfunctional thinking is really that it's too much and that's what I'm not always sure about. So mm. if the dysfunctional thinking is the person's doing too much, then it would make sense to do less or do the right amount. Just do enough instead of too much, right? Um, but that's not always, sometimes that can be the symptom of something else. So if you're doing too much in one area, you're doing too much in other areas. Hmm. So if so then you're trying to, to change your fitness, but you're doing too much everywhere else. And then you wonder why you can't change your fitness. Well, the reason why is you're, you're trying to create bandwidth where there is no bandwidth. So in a situation like that, I'd be looking at where can we be doing enough in multiple areas? And it might mean decreasing some areas and it might mean raising some areas. But at the end of the day, um, you just can't add something without removing something else. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't remove something without adding something else. It creates a vacuum. So we have to uh, consider that. But that would be the belief that really that the person is doing too much. Um, I think... Um, the the dangerous assumption about that is the idea like because if that if it's that simple people would be like well, i'm just going to do enough and be consistent the the real reason why i see people not succeed is that they don't have enough support and without support they're not consistent mm. so even if they say i'm going to adapt one new habit and they adapt one new habit is that going to be enough to tip them into being healthy 
Now, slowly it can, but when they look at the result and they go, well, this is slow and they don't, then what do they want to do? They want to do too much again, right? So they're actually shifting back into the old pattern. And so without having somebody actually support them in reestablishing that pattern, that's why it's like, you know, that kind of process. And then that's why it it seems to never work. because people that usually do too much, they're very results uh, ROI based. Like I'm a very high ROI person. So um, I have to really have um, support around not doing too much. Mm. And, and after years of not doing too much, we're just doing the right amount and really looking at that with support, then I was able to create that as a subconscious belief that this is enough. And then to learn and have evidence of that in my mind. But until then, I was always trying to do too much because it just felt like that was the right thing to do because the result would come, right? So it's also looking at um, the motivator of the person and kind of understanding that for the person because, um, yeah, we just can't move everybody at the same speed and we also need to support them at changing that pattern. So I think the answer to that question is, um, you know, uh, is, is support, is that people mm-hmm. need support in changing that pattern because the the belief is mm. is going to trick the person into going back into the old thing. So, and that's why I'll see people like try to make a small change for a while and they get frustrated and they either quit or they go really extreme again. And then it just creates the same pattern. Yeah. Maybe and I, can, I can do that in myself too. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's like, I'll go strong in business. Like for example, putting up a new website and I'll go gung ho for seven days, nonstop putting in all the things, you know, changing the brand, doing all the colors. And then I'm dead by the end. (laughs) And then I'm trying to still adapt to everything else. Still the health, still the kids, still the family. And then it's just like extreme in, in each, um, in each area. So I see what you're saying, saying, um, Lisa is saying it's hard to balance when we were talking about the different things. So let's address what Lisa is saying here with being hard to balance all these things. All right. Yeah, I told I, I totally feel that. I totally um, resonate with that struggle. That's been something in my past experience. It feels hard to balance. So um, if you think about if you had a backpack on your back and um, inside the backpack, you had different compartments. And there was a compartment for your family. There was a compartment for work. Um, if one of those compartments was so big that it was breaking your back, what would you do with that compartment? I would shift what was in there. Right. So you either shift it. And if you couldn't shift it and your back was cracking, what would you do? I'd have to take it off. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to take it off. Right. So if you think about balance like that, what of course it's hard to balance because it's not it's not in harmony right now the, the pack is is creating um pressure on you that that really your mind and your body is telling you it's like i cannot handle this pressure and that's why it feels hard mm-hmm. um if you were doing the right amount it wouldn't feel hard right it's just like exercise if you do an exercise and it hurts your body can't cope with that amount of stress but if you were doing the right amount of stress it wouldn't hurt Mm. So it feels hard, and I'm not saying things shouldn't feel hard, but if we're talking about life balance and it feels hard, um, the way that it's distributed right now isn't working for you. That's basically what you're saying. And so if that isn't working for you, would it make sense to change that? Now, the change is actually the harder part, because if your life is hard now, you're probably used to it being hard. People Mm. actually get addicted 
through the drama of it being hard. So sometimes the more difficult thing to do is to shift that person into making the change that, and that change, making that change is going to feel hard. They're going to feel like they want to swim back to it. It's almost like um, when you learn to scuba dive, you just want to go back to the top because the change of breathing underwater is very frightening. But the thing the person needs to do is actually to let go of some of these things that are off balance. Mm. Um, and we hear about that all the time. I think um, about people that have near-death experiences and completely change their priorities until they had that near-death experience and it became really urgent to them that they that, that wasn't as vital to them. Um, they can't, they hadn't changed it. Um, so it's just really, I think it comes back to <clears throat> having support in the change is, is what you're looking at because it's gonna feel hard to change the way that backpack is stacked. But until you change it, it's always gonna continue to be hard and always, um, in my experience and what I've seen is you know, quite painful to hold that backpack. Yes, yes, love it. I've got Gina here. She says, what would you recommend as a reasonable quick win? Do quick wins even exist, Isaac? <laughs> For weight loss, I have, I'm having so much trouble shedding weight and it's so frustrating in that we used to work so quick, in what used to work so quickly does not. And I, I'm tired of trying new methods. My current method um, with some success is intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so first of all, I think quick wins, it's like that's something that um, I really believe in. Like when I work with someone, uh, we're in a new relationship, so I wanna give them some quick wins. Mm. You know, So some of the things that are really big things, maybe we won't shift those right away. We can shift some other things so they can start feeling better. Um, really what it's about is with weight loss, it's about um, pathways. So pathways of how's your body using that pathway? Is that pathway effective? Is that pathway not effective? Um, so usually when um, somebody is plateaued or stuck, and I don't know how long um, you know, you've been stuck, uh, but you're usually trying to use a pathway that um, is either ineffective in your body um, or has be been overused so has become ineffective. So that's why people try new techniques. Um, now, one of the things that I see, though, is someone's in the quick fix mentality is they don't try a new pathway long enough because they're so focused on the quick. Mm. And so a lot of these different techniques will work but you have to stick with them long enough that the pathway actually starts to create a process. Mm. So, um, you know, and that's especially an exercise. So if I get someone that's always doing anaerobic exercise, then I want them doing some aerobic work because I know they're really going to not have good adaptation at that pathway and it's going to drive up um, stress in the body. Um, you know, so those are other things that you can look at. But I think, um, you know, something that I do see with people that are in a, like, I want something quick mentality, and this is totally, like, I've been there, so I, I totally get it, um, is that one of the things to consider is um, if you're focused on the result, how does that impact your stress all the time every time you're looking at, at the scale? Mm. And if your stress is high, can you lose weight effectively? And if, if you know how the body works, you really can't lose weight effectively if your stress is high, because stress is one of the big three things you've got to focus on with exercise, um, with, with weight loss, because it's exercise, it's nutrition, and it's stress management. Mm. So changing the way that you think about weight loss, which is something that I work with clients on, it actually 
um, helps them with their stress so they can actually lose weight. Um, but if people that are generally really stressed about, you know, if I've lost weight or I haven't lost weight, they have a hard time losing weight because they're actually, um, they're actually going against one of the three main principles of losing weight. Wow. That's crazy. I had not thought of it that way. So what, what would be then if stress, and I know Dina is stressed out. <laughs> I know Chris is stressed out. <laughs> I know I've been stressed out. So what would then be maybe a, um, maybe one tool that we can use or a few that you can think of in the area of stress management? Because I know that that's, that's going to work for either health or even within business. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think, I think most people have actually heard about all the tools. Um, so I think the thing you'd have to ask yourself, am I using those tools consistently? Ah. Uh. Okay. So most people don't have a, um, a lack of information problem. They have a lack of implementation problem. Mm. And the reason why they struggle to implement is very simple. Whenever you're in any state, like, let's say you want to lose weight, um, your body has gotten used to that weight gotten used to that it's part of homeostasis and the subconscious gets comfortable with you being like that it wants that whenever the subconscious has attachment to something it creates um, an attachment around it with the ego which is just your current sense of self so then the current sense of self is actually doing everything it can to keep you right where you're at so you bring in a new tool like let's say you know you ask for a tool meditation helps with stress we know that mm -hmm. you bring in a new tool like meditation and what do people do it's like they somehow rationalize not meditating consistently. Mm. So even with the new information, the old thinking still creates the stuckness. It creates the ego creating the same situation over and over again. And when that happens, the ego laughs and goes, ha, 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 I win again. And then you <laughs> stay right where you're at. And then you keep looking for more tools. So um, it's, it's the consistent use of that. Like, you know, if I was working with someone who's really stressed, I'd just be looking at their day. I'd be looking at their schedule. I'd be last, and I'd be asking, "How many um, regenerative things did you do in the middle of your day, like during your work day?" So, if you think about the average person working from, let's just say, nine to four, you know, if that's seven hours, most people might, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you might take a lunch break, and that's it. So basically, you're going, "I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I'm stressed," and then I'm going to stop in a stressed state. I'm going to try to eat food that I can't absorb and digest because I'm stressed. And then they stress and stress and stress and stress again for four hours. And then they wonder why they're not losing weight. Mm. Um, you know, you're in a sympathetic state the entire time. It's the opposite of digestion. So you know, I'd be wondering how, like, that clearly doesn't work because we just talked about it. So how many micro breaks do you have in the day? What are you doing to de-stress in the middle of the day? Because um, until that point, what probably happens you know, and I see this with a lot of people, it's like they're very stressed, they're very hungry. Um, at the same time, they're stressed. So by the time it's dinner time, it's like stress hormones are here. Well, what can I do to bring down my stress hormones? Well, I can eat a bunch of carbohydrates because carbohydrates release serotonin and serotonin helps the body relax, the brain relax. And if they know they need to go to sleep subconsciously, they're going to really try to eat a lot of carbs to drive serotonin levels up. When you're drinking coffee and you're working and you're releasing all the stress hormone, you're releasing a lot of dopamine. So you're like on this crazy ride during the day, but you need to settle that down in order to, to sleep and rest. So then people get into this massive stress and then they eat a bunch of, of carbs at the end of the day to try to balance out their brain chemistry. And then they go, you know, why am I gaining weight? So you can see mm. that, that that's, that's 
that's a big part of why that happens. But without changing the stress at the beginning of the day and the way that person is thinking about their schedule and thinking about their stress, uh, they're going to just continue that cycle. It's so funny because it almost feel like feels like it's like a big circle. It's like it's coming back to time because the reason why we're stressed is the way we're thinking about time, right? And then it's just going back. It's like this vicious cycle that we're just continuing because we're not taking the moment to maybe create that awareness of the underlying beliefs that we're having around all of these things. And one is triggering the other, triggering the other. And then the fact that you're gaining more weight is just even just the thought of it is already stressing you out. You're on your last pair of pants that fit you, you know, that kind of thing. And so, um, so obviously the, the goal here is to go deeper. Mm. Yeah. What I hear you saying is that, it, that you get stuck in a cycle and then when the cycles like that, it's like your response to everything becomes stress. So you think about time, it becomes stress. You think about losing weight, it becomes stress. And then all of that stress just becomes more stressful. So, um, yeah, it, and then the thing that it takes that it feel like you don't have anything to do to break the rule is you have to create time to change your thinking. And then you have to create time to not be stressed. Because until you do that, you'll stay in that cycle. And most people go, well, I don't have the time, right? Right. See, notice how that thinking keeps you where you're at. And you cannot create a new a new result using the same old rules. I love that. Right. So it's, it's literally impossible to get a new result with the old rules. So if it feels like it really challenges you when you hear that, know that that's, that's right for you to do because look at how it challenges you. Mm. And you can't grow without being challenged. You already know how to do something intensely for a bit and quit, you've been doing that. But what you maybe haven't done is broken a rule around taking the time to actually think about why that is and to create a different set of rules around that. How much time, is there even like a time frame to- It doesn't take a, it doesn't take a lot of time, by the way. Like most people are just like, I don't have the time. It's like, that's just the reflex that people have. That's why I brought up the, the dialysis thing yeah. at the beginning. What it takes is a conscious awareness and not repeating the same old pattern. You know, because saying I don't have enough time is actually just you flipping the same pattern. It's not even, it's not a reactive, it's it's not a, you're not responding to it. You're just reacting to it. I don't have enough time. Mm. Well, that won't work. Oh, I've tried that. See, those are all reactions. It's like no one is processing that information, consciously thinking about it, and then responding to it. Um, but I think your, your question is actually about, tell me the whole question, but I think it was actually about um, long-term change. Oh, it was just like, it was more like, how much time does it take to kind of reset this, this underlying thinking? You know, that was, that was kind mm -hmm. of like that. Yeah, that's like asking, uh, how long is the string? <laughs> that's like, it's different for every string. Um, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we're going down all day, but it's just different for everyone. Some people it's really quick. Um, I don't see that it that it that it's a long that's a long process. Like if you think about things that are long processes, like becoming a doctor takes eight years. Like that's a long, you know, eight to ten years. That's a long process. It doesn't take that long. But what it takes is consistency. It takes a really conscious effort. It takes uh, it takes being a good student, man. Um, mm. That's the thing. That's the thing that I see with a lot of people is that they I have to teach them how to be good students because they 
they're good at doing the things that they're naturally good at, which are part of the pattern. They're not necessarily good students um, when it's time to create something new. So we have to talk about the qualities of a good student and, and applying that because um, mm -hmm. one of the things that has really helped me, you know, create multiple businesses, be healthy. Um, it's like I've had aches and pains and, and, and figure my way out of it. I mean, you know, it's like I actually like could not bend my knee or squat um, a few months ago. Um, and it was it was just devastating. Um, but I figured my way out of it. And one of the ways that I was able to do that is that I'm a good student. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of people, you know, it's not how long it takes. It's uh, the way that you think about it when you approach it. Because I know people that, you know, they couldn't bend their knee and years later, they still can't bend their knee. But now I can squat, I can lunge, I can do everything that I was doing before. Um, you know, I don't have any pain, but that's because I'm I'm a good student. You know, it's like I, I saw what I needed to do. And then the way of being around applying that information is really the key. So I'd say instead of like once you have the awareness, the thing I'd really teach someone is how to be a good student. So you actually get the results you know it's 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 really fascinating i think you look at all these different ways to make money in the world and business it's like all of them must work because somebody made money doing them so when you when we try it and we maybe don't get that result what we really have to look at is are we good students because it clearly works because somebody else produced the result so what's going on about my way of being as a student that creates me not getting the result Ooh, that's yeah. the biggest that's the biggest thing that actually costs people time. Can you give us a few examples of like the characteristics of a good student? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so a characteristic of a good student is they don't just collect information, they go apply the information. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a huge one. Um, another characteristic of a good student is when they don't get the result, they ask themselves what they did to not get the result. Hmm. And that's really huge. And the characteristics of a good student is that they don't only absorb the information that they like to absorb. So they don't go to school and only study geology because they're fascinated about rocks and then they forget about all the other topics. That's good. And so there's usually when I see someone who has stuckness is they're actually resisting something because if they weren't resisting something, they wouldn't be stuck. So it's, uh, you know, what are they resisting and what's, what's their belief around resistance? Because that's usually why people resist, you know, when resistance comes up for you, like, what do you believe is actually happening? Because based off that belief, you'll respond to the resistance. So when I feel resistance, I know that that means there's something outside of my current way of being and my current comfort, which means that if I step out of that, I'll get something that I've never had before. And that's happened for me every single time. Um, and it's really trusting God that that's, that's there for me because um, God, God is, is guiding there. He's there to protect you. You're his child. So you step forward and you'll always be safe. So why are you afraid? And that's so perfect that your mm -hmm. Bible verse that you brought up earlier, your fear is not from God. Your fear is from an old wound. And so it's your work to heal that. So every time I experience fear, that's that's God calling me to step more fully into being his child. Mm. If I resist that and I embrace my fear, what I'm saying is I'm more of this world than of my faith in God. So one of the things that that I really that I really teach people is that the fear and the way that you respond to that, like notice what that brings out of you. 
because that is something that we get to heal, but we can't heal it by being in the fear. We have to heal it by stepping out of it. And I think we all get that idea when we hear it. It's like exposure therapy. What's exposure therapy? It's exposing you to the thing that you're afraid of. So if you're afraid of spiders, you have enough exposure around spiders, then you're not as afraid of it. Like we, we know that works. It's worked for years. It's, it's studied. Um, so what we have to do as being good students is take that exposure therapy and use it ourselves because that's mm. what we need to do. So whatever we're afraid of, whatever our brain is telling us about this, you know, if I, if I did X, then the Y would happen and da, da, da. It's like, well, is that really true? And let's, let's go forth and let's, let's just be okay with that and let's step forward because we know that you're not getting the result that you want right now. So really, what do you have to lose? Wow. That's good, Isaac. That's really good. One, um, one last question for you, because I know we've had you here for a while, but this is so good. Can't we just have Isaac here like forever? Give him some hearts, please, people. <laughs> we could spend time with you all day long. Um, one question I have is around the, um, the topic of integrity integrity as a business person or just like in your business life and your personal life, because I know they're connected, but following what you're doing, what you say you're going to do, doing what you say you're going to do. Um, there are a lot of people who have a really hard time with that. What would you say to that person? Hmm. Um, I mean, I would say a lot of things to the person if they were asking me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, rather, you know, it's like what I would say to them is is a longer conversation, and and then what's going on with that is a different conversation. I think, I think, I think if we're talking about integrity, it's really simple. If you don't like the thing that you said you were going to do, then change what you said you were going to do. Like just renegotiate oh. that. So don't feel stuck that that's you. I think. You know, it's really incredible. It's like I see people make agreements five years ago and they're still trying to stick to that agreement and they're not happy with it. It's like we're not the same person five years later. So mm -hmm. you're not out of integrity for not doing that. What you need to do is you need to express who you are now, how you feel about things, what you'd like to do and just renegotiate that. Um, you know, that's something me and my wife do all the time because um, are we just expecting ourselves not to grow mm. and not to change? and then not to allow each other to be happy in who we're becoming. Um, so that's the first thing I think that really stood out to me there. Mm. And then the second thing um, is when you don't follow through on something, um, people that don't follow through, they do that to avoid something else. So what do you get out of not following through? What do you get to avoid? That's the conversation that you'd be having with that person because mm. they think it's about not following through. Um, and what they really have to look at is what are they trying to avoid? So and a lot of the time avoidance comes from from a lack of confidence and, a, and the confidence is a lack of faith. That's what drives that train. Yeah, that's what yeah. drives that train. Yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. So it's not that um, I'm just not doing it just because it could be that I'm fearing rejection if I put my, my new idea out there and people don't buy it or don't, you know, come as quickly as I would like for them. So maybe I'll just put that off, keep putting it off because I don't yeah, want to. You're, you're avoiding this idea that you're getting rejected. And so what I do is I'd look at the belief, are you really getting rejected? Because if I, mm -hmm. if I go to the mall and I walk around and I'm like, 
let's say I was a single person. I'm walking around and I'm like, yeah, I look good. And then I go get in my car and I go, I got totally rejected today because nobody asked me out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Yeah. But I see entrepreneurs do that all the time. It's like, ah, I put my stuff out there and I got rejected. Oh, did, did you make an offer? <laughs> did you did you call someone? Did you have a conversation? Did you go through? Do you ask them for money and they said no? Because if they said no, then let's talk about why that happened. But if you're just exposing yourself and nobody came and ran up and fell in love with you, that's not rejection. So I'd, you know, I'd be looking at that. And if you'd like, it's like, I'm happy. If you have something that's real for you that you want to bring into this, we could totally, you know, look at it and work through it. I don't know if you have something or that's just an idea. Um, that was, was an idea, but let's say like right now I'm building up this new, um, this new page with faith led business, making it very specifically faith based. And, um, I do have some anxieties around that because, um, it's calling. Sometimes I feel like I need to be the perfect example of faith for people mm. in order for people to want to follow me. Ah, got it. So are people following you now? Yeah. Are you the perfect example of faith right now? No. So could that could that actually be true that you have to be perfect? No. So, um, well, that's how I would I would work through that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But even more so, I think what I'd look at is like, who told you you had to be perfect, Monica, when you were little? We know that <laughs> my dad. Your dad, okay, right. So then you're just running your dad, your dad in your business, and that's why that's happening. Even though there's no evidence that you need that. Did you guys hear that? My dad's running my business. Yeah. Yeah. So the anxiety you feel, that's not yours. That's your dad's. Hmm. Because you're running the part of you that runs your business is the part of you that is led in faith that is done devotions for over 120 days, I think, mm -hmm. in a row that has stepped forward into that and then has people following and wanting to be in faith. And because you're in faith, I'm here with you in faith. Mm -hmm. So you're doing what it takes and you're showing up how you need to show up. The anxiety that you're experiencing is not yours. It's your dad's. Mm. Yep. I can see that. I can see that. And I, and I feel like all of us right now who are watching have that same, I brought it up because I knew and I'm seeing here, um, you know, lots of people are identifying with that, with that idea of not being good enough to put out what they have, what God has called them to do in the world. And, um, and it's very obvious just with what we just went through right now, that it's not us. It's that old programming. It's that old wound that you're talking about that we have to heal. And that's speaking louder than truth right now in our mind and in our hearts. Right. And that would be the fear that God's telling you that's not of him. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's like the, the, the shadows of, of the things that have wounded us, these human experiences that we've then made to be meaning, like give it more meaning than the word of God and what God really wants for us. And that fear, when we live inside of that old wound, and, you know, I always say of all that old head trash, it's like that's when we stop really being able to experience God's light in our life mm. because we're actually more inside of the meaning we've added to what the human being world has 
put into us fear, perfection, all these things, than really stepping into the thing that God has set for us and the thing that God brought us here to do. So if he brought you here to lead in faith, he brought you here to share yourself um, through all these digital mediums and to be able to impact and touch all these people in that way, then you just showing up is enough and that the anxiety that you experience is just an old wound. I love that. That's, I think that's like a perfect way to kind of wrap things up. Isaac, I appreciate you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to, um, to share with our community? And also once you do that, let us know how they can find you and connect with you too. Um, yeah, you know, as far as with, with the community, it's, you know, I see people have different questions about different topics. Um, what I'd really say is take the time for yourself because you're totally worth it. You're totally worth it. And the thing that the thing that you want uh, is right for you to have. Like that, I think a lot of people can have shame about their desires. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, with everything going on, I feel like I shouldn't ask for this or I shouldn't desire this. Um, that's not what God's plan is for you to, to live small and play small. So um, really step into, if you have a desire, know that that's right for you. Like in the way for you to have it, also must exist because God gave you that desire mm. and he wouldn't give you one without the other. So if you're feeling like, man, I, I really want to lose weight or man, I really want to build my business or man, I want to launch this product. Know that, that that was given to you by God and that's right for you to have. You know, that's the last thing that I really want you to to, to think about as, as you leave this call. And then um, where you can find me I'm on Facebook. I have a, a complimentary group that I have. It's called Total Body Confidence. Um, mm. I'd love to invite everyone on this in this group to, to join me there. And what I do is I, I teach every day about health, mindset, and fitness, everything it takes. Because like we said, confidence is faith. And I believe that really the total body confidence, not just about your physical body, but your energy body too. You know, how's your energy body responding? And then every Friday I do a masterclass training. So um if you'd love to join that, I'd love to have you in there. And I'd just love yeah. to support you in, in, in really stepping into and getting what you want. I love that. So it's total, the group is called Total Body Confidence? Yes, Total Body Confidence. Perfect. All right, guys, so go check that out. Um, Isaac, you are amazing as always. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. Um, just the, the aha moments, the ability to kind of bring us out of ourselves, of our old ways of thinking and into new possibilities is just um, a huge gift. And that's one of the things that I'm so, so grateful uh, to you for. You've always been, you know, a very faithful friend uh, all of these years. And every time I've needed something, even when I've wandered and I come back, you're always receiving me with open arms. And I just love that about you. So I really appreciate you. And I see that the people here in the comments are also appreciating you as well. So thank you so much for your time. I know it's early in California, but um, but let's go everybody and see Isaac over in the Total Body Confidence group as well. And um, I can't wait to do this again sometime. Yes. Well, maybe, I hope uh, whenever you really you're ready, enjoyed that interview. It was amazing to have the opportunity <laughs> to really we'll have, we'll dive we'll have a, a little chat. deeper into love it. I love our it. habits. Thanks so much again. Have a great day, everybody. Into the Thanks challenges for out with that us. really aren't challenges. They're things that we have convinced ourselves are challenges. So I hope that this was a blessing to you as it was to me. And I will see you on our next episode here at the Faith Led Business Podcast. Can't wait to see you next time.